amazed and overwhelmed, not so much amazed because of what God has done, because he always does this, but he has brought absolutely extraordinary, amazing people here, and, and we have an exceptional family to be able to connect with. Amen? Well, before we uh, get into the Word, I just want to have a, a quick announcement about one of our lifelong friends for Debbie and me, and a uh, uh, friend of the ministry here, and one of our missionaries, Stuart Winograd, is going to be coming in and, and uh, being with us on June 19th. Uh, he is, he and his wife uh, founded Reach Initiative International, and they minister all over the world. But one of the places that he is highly involved, they're highly involved with uh, on a regular basis, uh, is in the Ukraine. And he is constantly writing about what's going on in the Ukraine. And he'll be sharing that with us uh, when he comes. But also, I want you to know, we don't often do this, but we are going to receive a special offering for him. And you may say, well, you know, I, I'm not sure what I should do. Well, we need to pray. You need to pray. And the special offering is going to be strictly for, we're going to give him an honorarium like we always do, but we're also going to give a special offering again to fortify them to be able to go into the Ukraine and minister because there are just massive needs. We don't hear about it as much as we have in past, and we don't really know. I mean, what we hear on the news outlets and things like that really doesn't tell the whole story. But... Uh, uh, there is such incredible need in, in that country right now, and we want to be able to continue to support Stuart and Chantal and their teams as they go in and minister. So be aware of that. You may want to start giving in any of the offerings. Just make sure on the offering envelope you write down that it is for the special Ukraine offering. Okay? Got it? Got it. Good. All right, this morning we are uh, continuing on, uh, learning about growing. You know, someone once said, you're either gr green and growing or ripe and rotting. And I don't want to be ripe and rotting. I want to be green and growing. And we have been finding out how important it is to grow and what is to grow uh, to be revealed in our lives, and that's fruit. But that Jesus said, the words of Jesus, how many of you know the words of Jesus are very important? And if they're not, they should be, right? And uh, last week we read in John chapter 15, verse 8, what Jesus said, and in verse 16, what he said. So uh, he said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And notice in verse 8, he said when, not if right? There's a difference. If somebody says, when this happens, it's, it's a given. It's going to happen. It's supposed to happen. And Jesus is saying, fruit is supposed to happen in our lives. Our lives are supposed to be bearing fruit all the time. And there are a variety of, of things that the Bible talks about being fruit, uh, what our words are, uh, our speech, all sorts of things. And we're going to eventually get into this, but not today. And he says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Uh, the Amplified last week we looked at, and it said, when you bear, produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show, your, show and prove yourselves to be true followers of me. 
This is one of the clear indicators of who we belong to, who we're following, who, who we live our life for is fruit. So fruit is very important. And then in verse 16, he said, you did not choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you or ordained you. I ordained you. That's to set apart for a specific purpose, uh, to go and produce lasting fruit. So we see in the words of Jesus that fruit is very, very, very important. It is supposed to be an accompaniment to our lives. It should be always being produced in our lives that people would see this fruit and would know, number one, that we're followers of Jesus. And number two, that it brings honor and glory to the Father. And it's not an if situation, it's a when. And we should always be producing fruit. This is ongoing. How many of you know that, that rarely do you find any plants that are producing fruit continuously? Right? Usually there's seasonal fruits. But in our lives, we're supposed to be continuously producing fruit. And that means that it's not just when the sun shines. Right? Do you know, we, we all like sunshine in upstate New York because we don't have it a lot. But, but it's challenging because when we have some really sunny days, if it happens to fall on a Sunday, there's a real battle going on. Am I going to go to church or am I going to stand out in the sun? Oh, what is that thing in the sky? So wonderful. But, but if it was sunny every day, 365 days a year, what would that produce? A desert. It would. That's what deserts are. They have sunshine all the time. They don't have any rain or very little rain. We need the sunshine, but we also need the rain. And, and as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be producing fruit, not just when the sun is shining, when it's raining, when it's storming. We should be producing fruit. And we found that out because we read what the Bible says in Psalm, and I'm not going there, but in Psalm 4, that we produce or we grow, we produce, we mature in difficult times. But this fruit that we produce should be ongoing because people should not ever be unaware of whose we are. You know, sometimes children look like their parents. In our case, our youngest son looks similar to my wife, and he's blessed. And our older son looks similar to me. And they will say, oh, you're, you're his son. You're their daughter because there's a similarity. There should be a similarity in what we look like to our heavenly Father and to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's because of the fruit the fruit that's growing. And that's how we tell. Jesus told us that this fruit is so important in our lives that it's the indicator of you recognizing what other people are like. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 and verse 20, Jesus tells us, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So, Jesus, again, his words, so important, so valuable, so instructional that we are going to know people by their fruit. But how do we tend to know people today? 
Yeah, social media, which has spawned another industry which is necessary because you really don't know anybody on social media. And I would challenge you if you think you do. All you know, all we know, is what they want us to know and how they want us to see them. And it's, it's another level of what we've always done. We always put our best foot forward. We want to present ourselves in the best way because there's never a second chance to make a first impression. And yet on social media, because the, the viewership is so broad, we want to make sure that we present well. And we've been becoming masters of presentation. This is, this is how we present ourselves. This is how we keep our persona in the eyes of the, of the public. You know, we, we have to be very careful because what people present is not always the truth. And so the industry that was spawned because of what's going on on social media is the industry of background checks. Because we can't trust what we see. We can't trust what we hear. We can't trust what we read. We have to have somebody that will go in and do background checks. I'll tell you right now, we in this church, we do background checks on every person that works with the children or the youth. And it's important because not everybody presents themselves in total revealing. And you may say, well, I don't want everybody to know everything. Well, we all understand that because we're all in the same boat. But there's a difference when we misrepresent because we omit things. And there's danger in that because we really don't know. But the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, you'll know them by their fruits. Now, again, fruits come at various times and seasons. And if all you know is somebody by seeing them in their great times, their good times, you don't know them. Because they may be completely different in their stressful, bad times. You don't have to say amen, it's still true. And we all know it. And that's where, as Christians, we all have areas that we need to grow, the fruit of God in our lives instead of the fruit that has been of the flesh or the works of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about two things, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are what we do as a human being not being influenced or governed or guided by God. And, and if you go in and read that, you'll see none of that is very good. But all of that is what we see in our world. In abundance. And then it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What's produced when the Spirit of God is not just in residence in us. Because as a Christian, the moment we receive Jesus as our Lord... Holy Spirit comes to live in us, never to leave us. But there's a difference between him living in us and him empowering us, imparting to us, guiding us, governing us, having his way in us, where he's influencing and imparting to us the very character of God. 
And all of a sudden, the joy and the love and the peace and the patience and the kindness, which is so opposite of the works of the flesh, but it can only happen when God has his way. Not just living in us. He's there, but how many of you know we don't always give God his way in our lives? And we should be giving more of our lives over to God as we continue to grow in God. As we grow, we only grow because God's at work in us. Good. Because we can grow bad if we choose not to let God work in us. Something is going to work in us. And the ways of the world and the ways of the flesh are going to work in us. Even though God lives in us, we don't express the fruit and reveal the fruit of the Spirit because we're giving ourselves to something other than God. And we can do that at any moment. Or at any moment we can choose to give ourselves to God and this fruit becomes apparent in our life. People look at us and, and they see Christ in us. And the Bible tells us Christ in us is the hope of glory. And that's what God has intended. But this is, this is where we have to make some choices. We have to recognize the freedom we have and the responsibility we have to make the right choice because it's all up for grabs. And you and I make our choices every day according to what we're going to do. And so in the good times and in the bad times, in the happy times and in the sad times, in the easy times and in the difficult times, in, in the peaceful times and in the troubling times, fruit should be growing. And it seems much much easier for us to understand fruit growing when it's easy and fun and enjoyable and, and, and peaceful. But Psalm 4, verse 1, tells us, the psalmist, David, writing the psalm, who knew about difficult times, knew about trouble, knew about things that happened in his life that were not what God wanted, but what he experienced. And yet, even in that, he had a choice. Was he going to get better or bitter? And, and David writes, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. You enlarged me when I was in distress. And last week we looked at this and we, we began to break it down, where the word enlarge means to grow, develop, or mature. You grew me, you developed me, and you matured me. How many of you know that God will never force anything on you? God's not going to make you grow. God's not going to make you develop. God's not going to make you produce. But you can, and I can, grow. I can develop. You can develop. And we can produce this fruit of maturity in our lives if we allow God to have his way, even in the difficult times, in distress, in tribulation, in trouble, in turmoil, in these counterintuitive times where we think, you know, what, what, what do I usually do in these times? When, when you get pressed and squeezed and, and stressed, do you always act the best? Remember, you're in church. No, we, we, it's, it's a funny thing because when we get pressure, and, and that word distress does mean to squeeze or to pressure, it means trouble, it means tribulation, and when I worked in the oil fields, one of the things that we had to do before we could produce a well 
Once a well was drilled, they would determine what formations had hydrocarbons in them, and they would put steel casing all the way from the top of the well to the bottom of the well. And at that point, all the different levels and layers were sealed off, and they had to open up a way for the hydrocarbons to get from the levels, the soil levels, the strata, into the borehole to be able to produce it. And what we had to do was shoot what are now used as anti-tank grenades, use them downhole to open up these holes. But before we did that, we had to make sure that that steel casing would be able to withstand the pressures that those formations were under when they began to produce. If not, it might blow out. And so what we would do is we would seal off the, the borehole, the well, we would put tremendous pressure on it, and then we would run surveys to look at the casing because when it was under pressure, the cracks showed up. The flaws showed up. Sounds a lot like us. When we're under pressure, the cracks and the flaws show up. You know, we, we would never do that. Until the pressure's on, until the stress is on, and then all of a sudden, we're this different person. But we're really not. Those are areas that we need to learn to let God govern. To not give control to the flesh, because we're just acting out on what we feel. And if we just do what we feel, it is not going to be pretty. And we have to let God begin to control us and let that control of God bring the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. When we want to blow up and when we usually would blow up, because that was a big problem in my life. Big challenge in my life was anger. It was one of the many that I had to learn how to not give in to what was natural to me and had become natural and familiar where I would just explode. And I, I, when I finally found out that that's not what God wanted, I explained to God why it was because that's all I could do because it's the way he made me. You know how we rationalize and justify things. And I want you to know any excuse that we make is only for us. It, it makes us feel like, okay, this is the reason why, and that makes it okay. But... I had to realize that the Bible's true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Except control my anger. Except whatever you want to fill in the blank with. But there's no exception. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. With God, all things are possible. That's the truth. And if we don't, don't know the truth and don't believe the truth and don't count on the truth and incorporate it in our lives, we won't have freedom. And I will tell you for years I was not free because I excused what I would give into, which was the works of the flesh, Instead of giving in to God and allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in my life, which was peace and patience. I used to pay, pray for patience all the time until somebody gave me some insight. They said, 
I would, I would complain. I'm praying for patience, and all I have is problems. And I said, that's really what you're praying for. No, I'm not. I'm praying for patience. You already have. You have all that God has to give you. What God's giving you is the opportunity to exercise and develop the patience. It's like a muscle. And so I didn't realize that, but the psalmist said, David said, in this distressful time, this troubling time, this difficult time, that's when God was able to grow me because I gave God the right to guide me and govern me. You know, Sunday morning is the time when most people let God guide and govern. But it needs to be every day because Sunday isn't a special day in God's eyes from the standpoint that he can only work on one day. He wants to work in every day, in every way, in every area of our lives. And so when we're in distress, God wants to work. And I'm telling you something that if you allow God to work in those troubling, difficult times, people are going to take more notice of the fruit in your life than in the good times. Because they expect the good fruit in the good times. But it is an anomaly. It is extraordinary when something just difficult or troubling or hurtful or hard or bad, you know, the stuff that happens daily in the world, happens and you don't react the way everybody else does. Or you and I don't react the way we used to. And people, it, they may not say anything right away, but it grabs their attention because it's not normal. If you're a Christian, you're not normal. You are not natural. You're supernatural. You have the creator of everything living in you. Wouldn't that stand to reason that our lives shouldn't be normal? Now, I'm not saying that you ought to be weird, because there are too many Christians that are just plain weird. Jesus wasn't weird. If Jesus was weird, all the people in the world wouldn't have said, hey, come on over to our place. They saw in him life. They saw in him love. They saw in him peace. They saw in him joy. They saw in him patience. They saw in him kindness. Just like Jeremy was standing in front of the fruit of the spirit signs that Taylor made. They saw all that in him. And they said, come and be with us. We want to be around you. The only people that didn't were the religious people. And they were so filled with the works of the flesh that they could not accept who Jesus was because he challenged everything they stood for. And so this fruit, this fruit needs to be a part of our lives. And we have been, been looking about at this. And today we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 13. Now, uh, I asked you last week to be looking at this and reading this. Hopefully you did. If you didn't, that's okay. We're going to go over it. But before we get into it, I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being in our midst. Thank you for all that you have for us. Father, speak to our hearts, our, our lives. 
our situations and circumstances. And Father, give us your truth, your truth that will set us free. Give us insight and understanding and revelation that we can experience the transformation that you have for us. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for uh, your word being life and health that would cause us to be healed and set free and, and whole. Lord, your word won't return void, and we thank you that you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. So thank you today for your word that has been and that will be, that our lives will be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 7, Jesus' teaching, he said, then he began telling them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree that had been planted in his vineyard, and he had come looking for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the vineyard keeper, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground, depleting the soil and blocking the sunlight? So here's a man who, who is obviously wealthy. He's got a vineyard. He plants fig trees in the vineyard because he wants to make the most of all the space. And he's had this fig tree for three years. And he has come out looking for figs for three years. Now, does this owner sound unreasonable? After three years, it ought to have some fruit on it. It may not be big. It may not be a lot. But there should, should be something. And he comes out the third year and he doesn't find any fruit. And and. He gets upset. He, he is frustrated. He's angry. And he's looking at this tree and he's saying, you know what? You got, you got leaves on you. You've grown up. You're not what you used to be. And, and there should be something that's, that's here, but it's not. And because it's not, why should I continue to let you deplete the soil take up the sunlight, and, and take the rain and the moisture from the vineyard that is producing. And, and the vine dresser, the one that's out there every day, not just coming out for the fruit, but tending everything every day, very diligent, very faithful. He has a perspective because... He doesn't want it cut down. He wants to give this tree one more try. So in verse uh, 8 and 9, it goes on to say, But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. So we've got the scenario. The owner is frustrated. The vine dresser, the one that tends and takes care of everything in the vineyard, says, you know what? Be merciful. Be patient. Give, give this tree and me one more year to work together because I, I believe it can produce fruit. I believe that it will fulfill what, what it was planted here for. It wasn't planted here for shade. It was planted here for figs. Because there are better trees for shade than a fig tree. And, and so he tells the, the owner, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with this tree. And I'm going to do some things. And what does he tell him he's going to do? 
Well, it's, it, he says he's going to dig around it and he's going to fertilize it. And that, you know, we can sit here and say, yeah, he's going to dig around it and fertilize it and it'll be just nice. You know, we really sterilize and sanitize a lot of things in the Bible. When the passion of Christ came out, it shocked a lot of people. Absolutely shocked a lot of people because they had never really, really accurately, in reality, considered what Jesus went through. And when they saw it, it was like, oh my gosh! And I, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it was depicted like on TV or on the big screen or anywhere else, it was worse than you could ever imagine. What Jesus went through, he was beaten so badly that they couldn't recognize who he was. And when we look at this and we say, well, he's going to dig around it and he's going to fertilize it. And today we think of, of that as, you know, a little, little, little hand spade, just turning up some soil. Little Scott's, you know, fruit builder around the soil. And it'll be all nicey-nicey. But I, I want you to see this verse 8 in the Amplified because it really is a little more accurate. And he, he replied to him, let it alone just one more year. I'll dig around it and put... Oh, is that the Amplified? I know that's what it says, but I had another one. I'll dig around it and put manure on the soil. Now, when you think about that, when you're going to put manure on the soil, what, what is that? What is manure? Yeah, usually animal poo. We don't even want to say what it is. We want to clean that up. But it's not clean. When, when there is dog poo, fertilizer in your yard... Do you run over and say, oh, this is great? If you step in it, are you like, oh, wow? No, our reaction is like, get this off me. What did you just think? I was thinking poo. <laughs> Fertilizer, manure, dung. Some of you know, some of you don't know, I worked with manure, fertilizer, dung. Not animal. Human. Worked at the sewage plant. And it stunk. But I will tell you, it had the greatest melons and tomatoes that you've ever seen. People would come to, to take this poo that had dried to put it on their lawns, and we would warn them, don't take it. Do you, do you, what do you want this for? I want to spread it on my lawn. I want my lawn to look beautiful. And, and it got it real green and growing real fast, but within that were all sorts of tomato plants and melons and vines and all sorts of things because your body doesn't break down those seeds. And they would come back invariably and say, you guys gave me some bad poo. 
And we would say, we warned you, but you didn't listen. But this, this man says, I'm going to dig around it. What's he going to do? He's going to dig around the roots. He's going to dig around the base of the tree. Why is he going to do that? To loosen up the soil. The soil gets too tight. It's very hard for the roots to be able to grow, which means the above ground part of the plant can't grow well either. So he has to loosen it up. But in the very fact that he's digging around the tree and the roots, it's going to feel like the tree... Like it's being destabilized. It's becoming unstable. Oh, I know what unstable feels like. Before my back surgery, I didn't know. Every time I took a step with my left foot, I didn't know if it was going to hold me or not. It is very, extremely uncomfortable when you feel unstable like that. And this is, what, this is what the vine dresser is going to do to this tree to help it. You're not helping me. I feel like I am not going to be able to be stable, secure. You know, there are times that, that God in our lives is kind of moving the things around in our lives. And we are like, cut it out. Get your hands off. And God's moving things because we need them and we don't know we need to move. We just think, well, you know, I, I feel secure. But it's not what God has. Your security and my security is never supposed to be in things around us. In the things of this world. Because all that stuff can change in an instant. Talk to the people in the Ukraine. They'll tell you how radically it has changed. And yet... If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, their whole world has fallen apart and yet they have the peace of God in them because their world isn't dependent on the world around them, but the God who is in them and with them. And we'll never know what that's like, I hope. But we should be just as Dependent and devoted to God as the people that have the most unstable environments that they're living in. But it's real easy to become very secure and stable because the things around us are not too difficult. But remember in the difficulties, God can enlarge us. We can grow. God works everything for good. That means even the bad things that we are facing, God can work it for good. And then it says... He's going to put manure, put manure on it. If you're a tree and you're not producing fruit in the kingdom of God, God's going to dig around you. He's going to help you understand your security doesn't come from that which is holding you tight. It comes from me who you have given your life to. Debbie and I went through this. When we moved up here, where I worked was, was a great job God had given me. We knew God had given it to me because it was supernatural how it happened. But it really was an incredible vehicle that God used to help bless us to be a blessing. And we knew it was God. 
But we also would always say, you know, God is our source. And when we came up here, all that stopped. And things changed radically. And we went through our life savings. Now, if God was really the one I trusted in, it wouldn't matter if I had a million dollars in the bank or nothing. The peace would have been the same. But I have to tell you, that was not the case. As much as I would tell everybody God was my source, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, when the bank account started going down, my stress level started to go up. And as much as I believed what I thought I believed, it revealed what I really believed. And it was a shock to me. And it was hurtful to me. And it was painful to me. Because I really believed that I believed that God was my source. And that I depended solely on him. But I was deceived. And I want to tell every one of you today. The Bible tells you that you can easily be deceived. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? You don't know your own heart. You and I think we know what we would do, but we'll never know until it's actually having to be done. And sometimes we need that digging up, that destabilizing so that we, our eyes are open to what God's already known and he's not doing it to hurt us. And it's not that the tree's going to fall over. It just feels like it's going to fall over. Sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, it's not going to work out. But what does the Bible say? All, God will work all things. What does that leave out? That's correct. So whatever it is you're facing, you need to put it in the category of all things. God will work all things for good. But you can't just end it there. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that's the qualifier. Because he can't do it if you aren't walking the way he has for you to walk. He can't empower and impart to you if you're going the wrong direction. He's not going to enable you to go the wrong direction. You're going to run out of gas because you're going on your own. And you need to. And we, we may fall on our face. And we need to because we need to realize God is not in that. You know, nothing gets our attention like pain or discomfort. And pain isn't what kills us or discomfort. It's continuing on in the pain. And so this, this, this vine dresser begins to start to move things around, around the roots. And it's not as safe and secure and as familiar and normal as it used to be. Because we can't be dependent on the surroundings to be safe and secure or things to be familiar to keep us secure and peace-filled. And then manure. Digging wasn't enough? You serious? God, just make it better. Make it all go away. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that. I have. Numerous times in my life because I was more concerned 
with what I was feeling than what God wanted to do. And so what, what is manure? It is waste, but what kind of waste? Let's, let's take a cow. Our cow is out there, and what's the cow eat? Grass or grain or something like that. Something that, that is alive that gives it life, and it breaks it down into little pieces that were life-giving. And those little pieces now, as it comes out the other end of the cow, is able to enrich the soil and other things to cause life to be energized. But manure stinks. Manure is undesirable. But all it is, is a processed breakdown of bits of life that now are in the form that can give other life. Uh, so what are you getting at? What I'm getting at is sometimes there's manure in your life and we're trying to run away from it and wash it off and get it get away. And that manure, it doesn't kill you, but it is not enjoyable. But if we'll in that situation that we don't like the smell, we don't like what it is, we don't like anything about it, we're willing to let God grow us, there'll be an energizing in our life to be able to become more productive, to grow, to be mature. How, how many of you know that maturity isn't just age-related? Thank you, sir. You're an honest man. There are a lot of old, immature people. And there are many mature young people. So maturity isn't based on age. It's based on what you have gained from the life that you lived. There are people that live all their lives that don't gain a whole lot of knowledge. And there are people that have lived some really intense lives, short-term, that have gained all sorts of wisdom and knowledge. And what I'm trying to say is that through these difficult things, don't, if all we're looking to do is escape, I don't like this, get me out, you'll never grow. You may get through it, but you'll never become more mature. Maturity is I face things not like I used to face them. I'll face the most difficult things. Somebody may face the most difficult things, but they're not going to freak out like somebody else because they're mature enough to realize that they're not facing it alone. They're facing it with God. They're mature enough to realize that God promised he would work it all out for good if we'll just love him and continue to walk the path that he has for us being called according to his purpose. And this may not be for you right now, but I guarantee that if you're not in a situation where things are being dug up 
and there's some shaking going on, and you don't feel as secure as you used to, or there's just a bunch of dung that hit you. I'm sorry, poop. Stop. Always stop. Don't ever just react because we tend to react in the flesh. But in that moment that those things happen, stop. And look up to God and say, God, I don't know, but only you know. Is this the enemy trying to uproot me, or is this you just digging around to help me not be as dependent on the things that I have been dependent on instead of you? Is this the enemy that's dropping all sorts of stuff on me to try and destroy me, or is this something that you're going to use to grow me? Because only God knows. You can't tell by what you see. You can't tell by what you feel. You can't tell by what you think or anybody else. The only one that knows is God. And whether it's the enemy or whether it's God, we need to trust God in all of it. And we should expect, because in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible tells us there's a time and season for everything under heaven. God has appointed a time and season. So we should expect God's timing to be perfect. If we're trusting in him, he's going to bring what we need and us through in the perfect time. But you have to be willing to wait well. We heard an amazing message on waiting. If you weren't here and you didn't hear it or you don't remember it, you need to go back and listen to it from Judy. It was amazing. And one of the things we love to do is wait, isn't it? I just can't wait until I wait again. <laughs> Pastor's lost his mind. But if we can learn to wait well on God, then we'll never be anxious for anything. What would that do to your life if you had no anxiety in, over anything? That would change a lot of our lives drastically. But that's the life God wants us to live, no matter what we encounter. Man, I'm not afraid because of who's with, who I am and, and the plan he has for me and who's with me. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, the peace of God that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds because we trust in him and we talk to him. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We make our requests known. We're in constant communication and communion with God. And all of a sudden, this fruit begins to be developed in the worst of times. In the most difficult of situations. And we begin to really change who we are and, and what we're like. And people begin to recognize it like never before. What, what God wants us to do, God wants us to 
change the way our perspective is, our reference points. When we experience difficult things in our lives, we need to have a great hope, a confident expectation of good of God doing what only he can do. And if we'll start out that way, then we've got a better chance of staying the course and growing through it and becoming better at the end of it than we were, stronger at the end of it than we were, smarter, more knowledgeable, understanding with a new perspective than we had before and able to help more people as they encounter some of the same things we do. And yet they don't realize God's there and that he cares. And all of a sudden this fruit, this fruit starts to be developed in our lives. People are drawn to the fruit. That's why the owner went to the fig tree. He didn't go for the leaves. He didn't go for the branches. He didn't go for the roots. He didn't go for the bark. He didn't go for the shade. He went for the fruit. And I want you to know, people are going to be coming to you because of the fruit. That's going to be the very opportunity for you to point to the one who causes fruit to grow in your life. Amen? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. David said, you enlarged me. You grew me. You developed me. You matured me in my distress, in my difficulties, in my troubles, in my trials, in my temptations. And you know, so often Christians aren't maturing. They're not developing because we're just trying to escape these things instead of trusting God in them. We should be just like David, not just in what he said, that he was grown by God when he was in distress, but that growing was the very thing that propelled David when he faced the giant to say, you know, you're nothing for God who's with me because God was with me with the lion and the bear. And God is with me here and he'll see me through to victory just like he saw me through. But too many Christians are trying to escape and get a shortcut and bypass. And today it needs to stop. Well, what if it's the enemy? It doesn't matter if it's the enemy or if it's something that God is looking to, to help you realize some things in your life that, that you didn't realize. Realize that God will never do evil. And sometimes we think, well, he's messing around with this and messing around with that. He's not doing it in an evil way or for an evil purpose. He, everything he does is for good. Everything he does is to bring life. Abundant life. And we have to be willing to trust him in everything, with everything, always. If you're here today and you've never trusted in the Lord, given your life to him surrendered control of your life to the one who died to give you abundant life, and that's Jesus, then it takes not going to church, not reading your Bible, not praying. It takes you 
repenting, turning around from running your own life and inviting Christ to come in and be Lord of your life, receiving that forgiveness and that communion with him. Constant contact. If you have never done that, I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just raise your hand and say, that's me. then I am making an assumption, which is always dangerous, but I am assuming that all of you have received Christ as your Lord. And if that is the case, then it is time for us to really live in his lordship. Let him really guide us and govern us. Because we know that he is our shepherd. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not want He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though we walk through the valley, the shadow of death will not fear. There are times he's going to take you through. Not around, not under, but through. And when he takes you through, Realize it's to grow you. As he took Israel through the desert, through the wilderness, the only purpose for that was to grow them so that he could show them that he could take care of them through it all. No matter what their need was, he could take care of that need in a supernatural way that no one would have ever known. That's the God that's with you. He'll take care of you in absolutely unknown to us ways, but always known to him. So that we will come out the other side more confident, more secure, more settled, more fruit-filled than ever before. If you know that you have been relying on things and and other things other than God. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because all of us should be raising both of our hands. Then today I want you to just tell God, God, I recognize that there's an adjustment needed in my life. And I want to be found totally depending on you, totally looking to you, totally trusting in you. And Father, I want to. I want to be totally dependent on you. And I know I'm not in every area. And I need to grow, totally trusting in you and relying on you. And help me, Father, help us grow, develop, mature, bear fruit at all times, in all seasons, in all situations and circumstances. Help us be reminded, Father, That in those moments that we're surprised, you're not. In those moments that fear comes at us, you will fill us full of faith. Because you're with us. You never leave us. You prepare a path for us. And the plan you have for us is for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope. And that you go ahead of us and you're our rear guard. 
And you've given us your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to empower and impart to us what we need, to be what you have for us, to be and do what you have for us to do. And we thank you, Father. Just begin to thank him. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, thank you, thank you for all you are. We thank you for all you do that is good. We thank you for all that you've done that has been beyond what we could imagine or dream. And Father, we, we have an expectation, a hope, a confident expectation of your good being done in our lives as we no longer react to what goes on, but we turn in love and dependence to respond to you. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand? Remember the Boilermaker sign-ups. Um, remember the special offering that we're going to be giving to Brother Stewart, Rabbi Stewart, uh, for Ukraine. Um, be praying. There are a lot of things to pray for, a lot of things that people all around our country and our world are going through that are not God. Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The enemy. You see that going on? Don't even question, is this God? It's not God. God won't do that. But the people that are going through it, they need to see and experience God. And the only way that's going to happen is through us, the body of Christ. Amen? I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of your children. I thank you, Father, that we are the redeemed and we say so. Father, you've rescued us. You have, have rescued us from loss and destruction. And Father, we thank you for the brand new life that you've given us. Help us live this life every day. No matter what comes, sunshine, rain, or storm. Father, we know you're still there Lord, we know that you're going to grow us through it as we look to you and depend on you and trust in you. And Father, we're going to become wiser, stronger, more capable of helping others in their challenges. And Lord, we thank you for the good work that you've begun in us, that you are faithful to complete because you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure, not ours, yours, because yours is the best. And so we thank you, Father for going ahead of us and preparing the way, continuing to uphold us with your right hand of righteousness. Be our rear guard. Protect us from anything overcoming us except your blessing. And Father, we thank you for covering us with your anointing, with your songs of love and deliverance and life, songs of victory and joy and peace that would resonate in us, that we would begin to sing them back to all around us. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Have a great week.